It is good to see everyone here today at the Willow Avenue Church of Christ. If you're visiting with us, we want you to know we are glad that you are here. We hope you'll stay around afterwards that we can meet you and greet you. And tonight, we will meet at 6 o'clock as we continue our worship together. We are involved in our Sunday night summer series right now. And this evening, we're going to have Brother John Mitchell speaking to us. He preaches for the East Main Church of Christ in Murfreesboro. And uh, he is a good friend, known him for a long time. He's a faithful gospel preacher, and uh, he will do a great job tonight. So we are looking forward to that. You know, there are some sermons that are instructional, that are academic. There are some sermons that rebuke us for sin. There are some sermons that help us to live more faithfully. And then, of course, there are sermons that deal with the difficulties of life. This morning's sermon is going to be that type. We're going to be talking about overcoming discouragement. And this is something that all of us deal with. All of us get discouraged. All of us are frustrated. In fact, as I talk to different members of the congregation, I hear people that deal with loneliness, people that deal with health problems, people that are going in the hospital, people that are having family issues and all of us deal with various forms of discouragement. The best of people are going to deal with frustration and discouragement. Now, we call it having the blues or the blahs or being down and out or down in the dumps or whatever you call it, but it is something that all of humanity experiences it. And there are examples of discouragement in the Bible. I think about David when he was being chased by Saul when you read the Psalms, he went through deep depression and discouragement. I think about David after he lost his child with Bathsheba and the suffering he experienced. I think about John the Baptist. Jesus said amongst those born of women, there was not one greater than John the Baptist. But I think about when he's in prison and he sends a messenger to uh, Jesus and he says, are you the one or should we look for another? He's very, very discouraged. Some of the finest people in the Bible were victims of discouragement. And so today, elders, preachers, Bible class teachers, parents, all of us are going to experience discouragement. Because you see, it's impossible to live life exclusively on an incline. Life has peaks. Life has valleys. Someone has even observed, they said, even the sun has a sinking spell every night, but it rises again in the morning. But God doesn't want us to be discouraged and frustrated. His message to us is Matthew 14, 27, be of good cheer. In 1 Kings chapter 19, that's going to be the basis of our study today. You can open there if you want to do that. We have described there for us one of the greatest prophets to ever live, the prophet Elijah. And I'm going to draw our lesson today from this chapter because Elijah is going to go through a period of deep discouragement. In fact, so much so that in verse 4 of this chapter, he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough. Lord, please now take away my life. And so we're going to do two things today. Number one, we're going to look at some of the things that contributed to his discouragement, what brought him so low that he said, I want to die? And then secondly, we're going to look at some things that helped him to get through this. All right, point number one, we're going to discuss the causes 
of Elijah's discouragement. I want us to notice first that Elijah was discouraged because he had just experienced a great victory. Now you might think, what in the world does that have to do with his discouragement? And brethren, the answer is, oftentimes between the mountains, there are almost always valleys. And coming down from a high point can be discouraging. It can be depressing. We've all experienced things like this. You know, even on a simple basis, you go on a vacation and then you come back after this high point and you get back to the normal grind and it's depressing. Maybe after the holidays, you've had your family with you and the children are home and you've got your grandbabies and you've had such a great time and now the house is empty and it brings us down. Oftentimes, after a high point comes a low point. Now, I want you to consider in 1 Kings chapter 18, the previous chapter, we've got recorded one of the greatest contests and one of the greatest victories in all of the Bible. Because you've got Elijah, the one prophet of God, and he stands against 450 prophets of Baal, the false god, the idol. And you remember the contest. Elijah said, I tell you what, you build a, an altar, and I will build an altar. And I'll put a bull on it, and you put a bull on it. And we will cry to our God, and our God who answers with fire, He will be the true God. And they said, we like it. And so what happened is first, the prophets of Baal, they cried, and they danced, and they cut themselves. And the Bible said, from morning until evening, they did this for hours, and absolutely nothing happened. The Bible said there were silence. And then Elijah, before he calls on God, he saturates the altar with water. And they dug a trench around the altar, and they sopped it with water. And then he prayed to God, and fire came from heaven, and it consumed the sacrifice, and it dried up all the water, and all the people and all the prophets of Baal fell on their faces, and they said, the Lord, He is God, the Lord, He is God. And it was a great victory. And then Elijah gathered all the prophets of Baal and put them to death. It was a great victory for the people of God, a glorious moment. Now we're in the next chapter, and he's alone. And discouragement sets in in a big, big way. Do you see what the devil is doing? The devil is using this victory, this high point, and then the low point to discourage him. Have you ever had an experience where maybe a Sunday morning, attendance is high and the singing is great and the sermon is encouraging and a baptism occurs and you leave feeling so very uplifted and then maybe you come back that evening and numbers are low. Maybe it's a Wednesday night, hardly anyone shows up and the high point can bring you to a low point that's very discouraging. I think Elijah is in part experiencing that. Here's a second thing that I think contributed to his discouragement. Certainly, this was part of it, opposition from other people. Now, listen to the text. 1 Kings 19, beginning in verse 1, And Ahab told Jezebel, you remember Ahab, one of the most wicked kings in the Old Testament. He's married to his wife, who is doubly wicked, Jezebel. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. That is, about the contest, about putting the prophets to death. Also, how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, 
so let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them, that is, I'm going to kill you like you killed them, she said, by this time tomorrow. And when he saw that, he arose, and he ran for his life. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and he sat down under a broom tree. The King James is a juniper. And he prayed that he might die. And he said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life. Why is he so discouraged? Even to the point of wanting to die. He had just stood for right. He had risked his life. He had killed the prophets of Baal. He has this great victory. And what does he get for it? Jezebel says, let the gods punish me if I haven't killed you by this time tomorrow. You want to talk about discouraging. He's done. He's had enough. He's ready to throw in the towel, and he prays, Lord, just take my life. I have had enough. Have you ever felt that way? Hopefully you haven't been so discouraged that you think, I've had enough. I'm just ready to go and be with the Lord, but that's where he is. Now, I haven't had my life threatened, but I have certainly had times when I've had opposition for standing for that which is right. Brethren, that's discouraging, especially if it comes from your own brethren, it's discouraging. But I've got to remember what the Lord promised, and that is for Matthew chapter 5. He said, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. And even when he says the prophets before you, think back to Elijah. Maybe you've experienced opposition and criticism, maybe from your own family. I tell you what, this is the worst. This is the most discouraging kind of opposition because those who are closest to you, when you have problems with your own family... That's the worst. They can hurt you the worst. Maybe you've experienced this from friends turning against you or betraying you. You know, I dare say that all of us have experienced a friend betraying us. Does the Lord know that? You know, Psalm 41 and verse 9, Jesus had his own familiar friend, Judas, betray him. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, Paul had his partner in the faith, fellow preacher, missionary, Demas, he says forsook him. Why? Because he loved this present world. You know, I can think of few things as discouraging to me spiritually as when I see a brother in Christ quit trying, stop serving faithfully, maybe he quits attending, goes off into error. It just brings you down. Well, Elijah had gone from a high point to a low point, and then he's got strong opposition, even to the point of going on the run because they're threatening his life. Number three, I want to suggest to you that I believe that there are some physical contributors to Elijah's discouragement. Verse 3 says he's running for his life. Verse 4, he travels an entire day. He's got to be exhausted. He goes into the wilderness. I can imagine physically he's tired. He sits down under a juniper tree, and he says, I want to die. Brethren, I want to suggest to you that exhaustion, physical struggles make a person prone to discouragement. When you hurt physically, it makes you want to give up. Have you ever had a day when you've just gone and gone and gone and you face continuous 
difficulties and stress and you're exhausted and then something physically, uh, something uh, emotionally trying hits you and you just think, I can't take it anymore. You know, I think when you go into the military, they put you through boot camp, that's what they do to you. They run you. They try to get you physically exhausted. Then they get in your face and they yell, yell at you. They're trying to, to break you down. You know, a similar thing could happen in the church. You're busy. You're active. You're doing a gospel meeting. You're doing studies. You're helping people. You're trying to take care of shut-ins. And it could get to the point you're just so exhausted that you want to quit. That's why the Lord tells us in Galatians 6 and verse 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season, that is, when the time comes, you will reap if you faint not, that is, if you don't give up. And there are other types of physical problems that cause discouragement. I want you to think about illness. If you have ever had to battle a very serious health problem, if you've had an injury, if you've had cancer, or maybe you've been the caregiver of someone who has gone through something like that, I can tell you from my own personal experience, it'll get you down. I spent three months in the hospital and could scarcely leave. When you sit there day after day, oftentimes alone, the Lord's day comes and you can't get out and you do your best to log on and, and worship. Brother Nick gets to the point sometimes that you want to quit. It is very hard to deal with it when you don't feel well, you're having physical struggles, many things other people don't even know about and you can't even tell them about. Some of God's greatest people have suffered this type of thing. I think about the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 5 and 7. Apparently, he had some sort of serious health issue. I think about Epaphroditus in Philippians chapter 2, 25 through 30. The Bible says he was sick, nigh unto death. We don't know what it was. I think about Timothy, 1 Timothy 5 and verse 23. He had some sort of stomach problems. The Bible says he had frequent illnesses. You think about Job. One of the ways that Satan attacked Job was to attack his physical health. Why did he do that? Because the devil knew that if he can attack you physically, it will wear you down, it will make you discouraged, it will make you want to quit. But when you lose your health, instead of becoming discouraged, why not determine in your mind, I will not become bitter. I'm going to be patient, I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask others to pray, and try to your limits that you are going to examine your life, you're going to make some courageous vows to God, and you're going to press on. Brethren, health problems and handicaps need not to handicap us. You know, Helen Keller was blind and deaf and dumb from an early age, but she did not let her limits handicap her. Caesar had epilepsy. Beethoven was deaf. R.L. Stevenson had tuberculosis, and yet all of these people went on to make their mark on the world. Here's a fourth thing that caused discouragement with uh, Elijah, and that was loneliness. Now, I don't mean what you might be thinking. Listen to this. This is verses 9 and 10. And there he went into a cave, and he said, remember, he's gone into the wilderness, and he goes into a cave, and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And so he said, 
I have been very zealous for the Lord God and for the children of Israel. They have forsaken your covenant. They have torn down your altars. They have killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Elijah is lonely in the spiritual sense. He felt that he alone was faithful to God. Have you ever felt that way? Everybody's forsaking the Lord. Maybe you feel like you're the only one. Maybe you've been in the military and you're in a situation, maybe you're on deployment and you're the only Christian there. Maybe in the workplace, you're alone because you're the only Christian there. Maybe you're listening online. I know we have people that join us online and they are in an area where there's not a faithful congregation. You can feel very alone spiritually. Or maybe it's this. This is a little different, but I've had times where I've shown up on a Wednesday night for worship services. I don't necessarily mean here, but I have shown up and there are so few people that come to attend. It makes me feel very, very discouraged. You know, I think about, and, and we preach about Hebrews 10.25 and attendance, and, and we ought to do that. Hebrews 10.25 says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves. But right before that, he says something very interesting. He says, let us consider one another. Then verse 5.25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Put that together, what do you get? Let us consider one another and not forsake the assembly. The Lord is saying that your absence affects your brethren negatively. Brethren, there are few things as discouraging as being alone. You know, sometimes people come to services and they feel like they're alone. Maybe because they don't fit in. Sometimes there's cliques in the church. Sometimes we just want to be with our friends and we have people that will sit here and be alone. That's got to be the worst. We need to work together. We need to reach out to people. We need to look for people. Maybe it's this. Look at verse 14 in the text. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God. The children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down the altars, killed the prophets. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Have you ever been working diligently for the church, but maybe there's no recognition? There's no reward. It doesn't seem like anyone cares. In fact, maybe your efforts seem like they're just fruitless. Maybe you went out and you passed out flyers and you invited people to the gospel meeting and not one person came. Maybe you've been having Bible studies. You haven't had one conversion. That's discouraging when it feels like you're spinning your wheels and no good is coming. But brethren, we've got to remember as long as we are serving the Lord... Good is coming. We're laying up treasures in heaven. It might not be all that we hope for here, but if the Lord is glorified, then that's good. Some people are discouraged because they are lonely in the obvious sense. I think about shut-ins. Oftentimes, older people, maybe they've lost their spouse, and they have intense loneliness. Maybe they are shut-ins and they can't come to services and they so bad miss the opportunity to be here with their brethren and they now they join in online, but in a sense it makes it worse because they want to be here. Somebody said that the, uh, the uh, saddest word in the English language is alone. But you know, we need to keep in the back of our minds that we're not ever truly alone. Hebrews 13 and verse 5, the Lord said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. 
Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16, All men forsook me, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. I have thought about that passage so many times. All men forsook me, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me. And we as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to remember the shut-ins. We need to reach out to them. One day, it likely will be me in that situation. Elijah's coming down from a peak. He's in a valley. He's physically exhausted. He's got opposition from others. He felt like he's all alone in his service to God. Elijah's being hit with several powerful contributors to discouragement, and he gets to the point, all these things crashing down at once, and he says, I want to die. But that's not what happens. The Lord did not take him. He did not let discouragement overcome him. He didn't stop. He didn't give up. In fact, he goes on to accomplish great things and serve the Lord for more than two more decades. How did he do it? Here's point number two. How did Elijah overcome discouragement? I want to suggest, number one, it was by understanding the power of God. Now listen to verse 11. Then he said, that is, God says to Elijah, Go out of the cave, stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and a strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire... A still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in the mantle and he went out and he stood in the entrance of the cave and suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? I want to ask you a question. Why did God approach Elijah in this way with the wind and the earthquake and the fire? Brethren, I want to suggest to you it was to show to Elijah his greatness and his majesty and his power. Because, friends, when we understand the power of God, it puts things in perspective. I mean, what about Jezebel trying to kill him? Ah, I mean, who is Jezebel compared to the God of the wind and the fire? God makes the earth to quake and breaks the rocks in pieces. Who is Jezebel? What if I get discouraged by the death of a loved one? God's going to raise the dead. What about when I feel alone? God is everywhere. What about when I'm having physical problems? God made me from the dust of the ground, and one day He will give me a new body. You know, one of the things that keeps me going in life is I think, you know, I can't walk and I feel pain on a regular basis, but it's only temporary. One of these days, I'm going to get a new body. That's all going to be gone, and life is but a vapor. It's not going to last that long. Here's a second thing. He went to work. How did he overcome discouragement? He went to work. He's feeling down and out. He wants to quit. He wants to die. But listen to verse 15. The Lord said, the Lord just asked him, Elijah, what are you doing here? Verse 15, he said, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, anoint Hazael, king over Syria. And then you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, over... Uh, 
over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, of Maholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. What is he saying to him? What are you doing here? Get up and go to work. Anoint this one, anoint this one, anoint this one. Brethren, you know, most discouragements can be found, now listen, in an overactive mind and an underactive body. Somebody said the ten rules for getting rid of the blues are go out and do something good for somebody else and then repeat it ten times. Dig somebody else out of troubles and you'll find a hole in which to bury your own. Number three, Elijah overcame his discouragement by being assured there are others. Why was he so discouraged? Because he thought he was the only one. But in verse 18, God said, Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed the knee to to Baal. Elijah thought he was the only one, but there were 7,000 other people who were faithful in reality. Friends, so many, listen to what I'm about to say, so many of the things that discourage us are not even correct. Elijah thought Jezebel was going to kill him. It didn't happen. He thought he was the only one. It wasn't true. You know, it's kind of like worry. The majority of the things that we worry about never happen. When I get to thinking I'm the only one, I'm wrong. And again, when I think as a human being that I have been forsaken, the Lord is with me. Now, let me give you some other methods very quickly. I'm going to give you about 10 things that are not listed in the story of Elijah, but should help us. Number one, we need to remember that beneath the burdens, there are oftentimes blessings. I've heard it said that when the Mississippi River floods, it causes a catastrophe, but in so doing, it brings unbelievable fertility to the, to the uh, soil. That is, beyond the burden, there is a blessing. There is a story told about a poor, a poor peasant in the medieval days. And he comes to a place in the road, there's a large stone blocking the pathway of the road, and so he pushes and he rolls this large stone out of the way, and underneath it there was a bag of gold that the king had placed there for the person who took the time to push the stone out of the way. Beneath the burden, there was a blessing. If we can remember that there are blessings oftentimes attached to our burdens, maybe we won't be so prone to be discouraged beneath them. You know the old saying, every cloud has a silver lining? Secondly, sometimes we just need to have rest. Physical and emotional exhaustion brings discouragement. Somebody wrote, Satan covets a tired man and uses him. God rests a tired man and inspired him. What did Elijah do when he was physically exhausted? He laid down under the juniper tree and he slept. Number three, talk to yourself. I don't mean like a crazy person. What I mean is constantly give yourself positive reinforcement. You know, in Matthew chapter 9, there's a woman there who has an issue of blood. And she said, I've tried hard. I've been to many doctors. Nothing works. She could have said, there's no God. I give up. All of these bad things. But instead, what she said to herself is, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Now, what do I mean by this? Brethren, the point is, we need to avoid talking to ourselves 
discouragingly. We need to not tell ourselves, I'm a failure, nobody cares, I'm not appreciated, I'm a nobody. Instead, I need to say, I'm not a failure. People do care. I am appreciated. I do matter in this life. Number four, fight and conquer self-pity. Self-pity comes from self-concern and self-esteem. But Jesus said, I need to be crucified to self. Matthew 16, 24. General William F. Dean was a war prisoner. He was a POW during the Korean conflict. Someone asked him, after he had spent three years as a POW, how did you do it? What kept you going? He said, I never felt sorry for myself. And that kept me going. Number five, accept that you are of intrinsic value. Friends, the language of the discouraged person is, nobody knows that I'm alive. Nobody cares about me. I'm not a value of anyone to anyone. The message of the Lord is, you are of more value than many sparrows. Matthew 10, 31, the Lord has need of you. Mark 11 and verse 3, you know, the problem with the one talent man was that he did not realize that even his one talent mattered to God. Next, try to be perpetually optimistic. Two men who were shoe salesmen went to Africa. One was so discouraged because he called home and he said, there's no market over here, nobody wears shoes. The second man called home very optimistically and he said, the market is unlimited, nobody has shoes over here. What's the difference? Their mindset, one was optimistic, one was pessimistic. Instead of seeing the obstacles, we need to see the opportunities. Next, consider how useless you are when you become discouraged. You know, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 36, Barnabas is called the son of encouragement. I want you to think about the fact that he was a strength to others because of his mindset, because he was positive. What if Barnabas had been a discouraged person? He would not have been a benefit to others. I need to think about the, the fact that I want to exude positivity and help others instead of bringing them down. Next, I need to remember that every cause of discouragement is only temporary. Somebody said his favorite verse in the Bible was, and it came to pass. It's just a vapor. It's not going to be here long. Number nine, do not forget that God has promised we will not be tempted beyond that which we are able. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the promise is God is faithful. He will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. There will be nothing that is too intense for you to bear. Finally, pray. Brethren, when you are discouraged, pray. As Jesus faced Golgotha, which had to be the most intense stress ever faced by a human being, he separated himself apart and he prayed all night. After this incident in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah goes on to overcome his discouragement. He continues to be one of the greatest prophets of God ever to live. In fact, he is mentioned more times in the New Testament than any other prophet. About 
21 years pass, and we find Elijah not dying, but he's being taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. He is one of only two men that the Bible says never died, but the Lord took him. The other, of course, was Enoch. Now, what is the lesson this morning? The lesson was even the greatest of God's servants get discouraged, but it can be overcome, and we can go on to accomplish great things in the Lord's kingdom. How do we do it? We keep our mind on what is ahead, and we realize we are here temporarily. It's going to pass. i got to keep my eyes on the goal. Thank you for your good attention today. Maybe you're here, and you're not prepared for the goal. You're not prepared for eternity because you haven't obeyed the gospel. You need to understand, to be ready, you need to be a Christian. To be a Christian, you need to obey the gospel by hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized. Maybe this morning you want to do that. We're ready to assist you. Maybe you're here as a member of the Lord's church. You've got sin in your life. Maybe you want to repent publicly. Maybe you desire to request the prayers of your brethren on your behalf. We would count it an honor if we could do that. This morning, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, won't you come as together we stand and sing the invitation song.